0: Uh, Is this on? Okay. I'm glad I only have two boys. Michael, you're done doing that to me. Uh, They both had a turn, so we can... can, uh, You can introduce me from now on. That's a lot easier, but... You know, I I love boys, and uh, man, they they mess up a lot. (laughs) And that's all right, because I do too. And uh, we hold each other accountable to those mess-ups, but... This evening, I, I have kind of a, and I'm going to have a hard time keeping this in front of me, so I'll try the best I can. I've always kind of had a weird way of speaking, and so I apologize for that. I try to I try to get to know the text a little bit. I try to spend time thinking about it, spend time praying about it, but I don't really have a plan when I come up here and talk. And uh, now that's not entirely true. I don't really have a plan until. I feel like I see a direction or a thread. Uh, and and tonight I saw a thread about 30 minutes ago. So I'm going to, that's why I've kind of been moving around in the back. Some of y'all may have noticed. But t- tonight the topic is fellowship. And the, the way I want to start tonight is I want everybody to understand we're not very good communicators. I want, I want that to sink in for a second. We're just not very good communicators sometimes. In the church, we've gotten extremely smart. To the point where I think we've outsmarted ourselves sometimes. Well, see, I'll share a story with you about our communication. And I think my boys, at least Hunter, heard this before. Sorry, I got a real dry mouth trying to get over that. If anybody has any water, just pitch it forward. All right, there you go. Uh, there's a little boy It's sprayable, so I can if I get hot I can miss. So we're good. You haven't been sick, have you? Are you sure? Oh okay. yeah. Doesn't work very good. So I gotta get the mic wet. So there's a there's a little boy and, and having trouble getting his boots on after school and the teacher goes up and, and says, Do you need some help? and and She's like, Yeah, I just can't get my boots on. And, and so she, she goes to struggling with him and, and she works up a sweat. And finally, she gets these boots on. The boy stands up and he looks down at his feet and he goes, Teacher, they're on the wrong foot. <laughs> So she gets a little bit frustrated, but, you know, she's supposed to be the adult in the situation, so she sits him back down, and, and they, they have to work just as hard to get them off as they did to get them, get them on. And they finally get the shoes off. She switches them, and they and go to, again, struggling to put the shoes back on this little boy. She, she finishes getting the boots on the boy, and the boy said, You know, these aren't even my boots. Ah, she's frustrated now, and so she goes to, she doesn't say anything, she's, she's trying not to say anything that, uh, that she'll regret, so she just goes to working and gets a, gets the shoes off, and about the time she gets the shoes off, he said, they're my brothers, but my mom made me wear them. <laughs> so they go to putting the shoes back on for the third time. They finally get the shoes back on, the teacher helps him put his jacket on, and says, where's your mittens? He said, they're in the toes of my boots to stay warm. Needless to say, that teacher I think gets gets off of parole in about three years. How we communicate so often in the church, we don't really do a good job of talking to each other. You know, when Michael sent me a lesson about fellowship. It was kind of interesting because you know, I, I when he sends out lessons, you look at them and then you kind of see the where he wants you to be in the in the text in scripture. And I read Philippians chapter one, and I didn't see the word fellowship anywhere. And so often as Christians, when we think of fellowship, we think of some really good texts. You know, this morning in class, we talked a little bit about Acts 2. It's one of our favorite chapters, isn't it? In Acts 2.42, we didn't talk about that one through the end of the chapter. We like talking about that when we talk about fellowship. Because it said they met together daily. Listening to the apostles' teachings and and, and Diving in. They broke bread together. They did everything together. They were well-liked by the community around them. Now that's a picture of fellowship, isn't it? So so why are we so disconnected? If we view that as perfect fellowship, why do we struggle so much? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They broke bread together. They got along they had everything in common. And, and oddly enough, you don't really have to go too far in Scripture to find that that, that perfect image of fellowship doesn't exist much past Acts 2. Because then all of a sudden we have these folks called Gentiles that enter into the into relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And the Gentiles are a lot different than the Jews. They don't have the same history. They don't have the same... same trends and things that they do and religious practices and it's frustrating to the Jews the Gentiles just want to love Jesus because guys came through and said Jesus Christ is the Messiah and the Jews said hey that's a good idea but it's not just about Jesus it's Jesus plus a little and all of a sudden the fellowship that we see in Acts 2 shifts a little bit It changes a little bit. Now there's some grumbling. Now there's some arguments from within. Not only is there arguments from within, but now there's more persecution from the outside. But don't kid yourself for a second. It's the arguing within that makes you susceptible to what's going on on the outside. The whole time we as churches argue and bicker and want to decide who's right and the whole world out there is just getting further and further away from the cross that's a shame as i studied the text that michael sent i came to a realization i don't want to talk about fellowship at all sorry michael Jared Brock often says that's not the right question. You've got to ask the right question. So the wrong question is what is fellowship. The right question is what does it look like? Because that's truly what's important. What does fellowship look like in the church? Now, Philippians 1 does a great job of showing what fellowship looks like. Let's look at that real quick while I still have a light to read. I told Chad Montandon earlier in the week, there's one verse in particular that I fell in love with in Philippians chapter 1, and and I'll be reading through it, uh, and we'll highlight it here in a minute. so in Philippians 1, starting in verse 3, it says, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my, my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel, gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it into completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you, all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We'll break that down a little bit, but I I really want you all to grab a hold of the fact that that's what fellowship looks like. And if you spend some time in those 11 verses, and really the whole first chapter, you're going to see a picture of fellowship that is quite foreign to you. Now, kind of, second, and I was having Mitchell radio down to Michael, and I brought this, or Michael brought this up for me, because I had an idea of an application, so we're going to try that, and it just so happened to my son, one of my sons is sitting on the first row, so I'm going to pass this to my son, because, you know, he and I have a lot in common, you know, he, he was raised under my roof, so he does a lot of the things that I want him to do. Uh, but past that, we have a lot of common interests. We love to hunt. We love to fish. We both love the Lord. And so I'm going to pass this to him. And, and this is what I'd like you to do. And I'd really like you to, to do this as quietly without huge distraction as possible. If you, I'm going to pass it to Kyle. Kyle's going to just see someone that he loves here real close. He's going to pass it to them. And, and just keep passing it around. You, you look back, you see someone you love, pass it around. Okay. Don't break it. Just pass it around. Go ahead. So I'm going to have him do that. I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep preaching because you know Noah preached while his boys built built boat. So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to preach, let these guys pass that around. Now we have another good picture of, of fellowship if you do a word study in in First John, and, and this is. Eh, I don't want to go there yet because it ties into all this. So let's go somewhere else, and then we'll come back to that. Uh, In Acts chapter 9, I want to highlight this verse now that, that just really spoke to me. In Acts chapter 9, there's a story about a guy named Saul. Saul, who would later become Paul and write this letter to the church in Philippi. He was walking down the road and had a Jesus encounter. He had an experience with Jesus Christ that changed him for the rest of his life. See, see Saul was a great guy. He was, he was intelligent. Uh, he loved the Lord. He did everything that he knew to do to be right with God. And then one day walking down a road to Damascus, he encountered Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ's response to him is Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Paul came to a crisis in belief at that point in time on the road to Damascus. And if, if, you, if we look back in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 3, here's the line that I think describes fellowship in the purest way that I know how. It says, Because of your partnership in the gospel, From the first day until now. It's partnership. It's our partnership in the gospel that makes fellowship possible. I love the term partner. I come from a business world. And I love the term partner. I don't like associate. I don't like employee. I like partner. Because if you're a partner with me, you've got ownership. If you're a partner with me, You're all in and you're interested in how we do. If you're a partner with Christ, you're going to be interested in how everybody sitting out here is doing. Why do I know that? Because Christ is interested in how you're doing. But Paul is so excited to write this letter to the church in Philippi. He's got relationships with these people. It brings him great joy because he can speak of that joy from an attitude and understanding that they're partners with him in the gospel. That changes everything. Where's that? Where's that? All right, I'm going to have you stop right there. Everybody who's holding some strings, stand up. Now, on one hand, that looks pretty impressive, doesn't it? We got a lot of connectivity there, don't we? That's pretty special, huh? And I'm just for for a sake of illustration gonna say that tree is is Christ. This is what's wrong with our fellowship today. Because if something happens to Kyle, we've lost fellowship. Cause he's the only one tied in to Jesus Christ, and everybody else is just tied to one another, with no direction, with no partnership. It's something that's more valuable than relationship with each other. See in John, you can sit down in John chapter six. Not yeah, First John chapter one verse six is that God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, and we're not yet we're in darkness, we lie and we deceive ourselves. But if we're in the light, walking in the light, as he is in the light, then we can have fellowship with one another. A good friend of mine, that a lot of y'all know, Jadon Poindexter, said it this way. You can't have this kind of fellowship unless you got this fellowship. We can't have fellowship with each other until we fully understand and comprehend the fellowship that we must have with God. And the only way I know how to communicate that is exactly how Paul did to the church of Philippi. He said, hey, I'm thankful that you're partners with me in the gospel. Because you have been bought. You have bought in yourself. Later in that chapter, we see the famous line of Paul that says, to live is Christ and to die is what? Who held his heart? Christ. Christ did. Does all the counselors have a piece of string? I get all the counselors to come up, please? If you don't have a piece of string, Andy will look for you out of the back. what they're fixing to do because I planned this seven minutes ago. There's one of them that knows. <laughs> so follow Zane. Don't do that. I'm going to have them doing something real quick. You know, I, I want to talk to you just a little bit longer while they're doing that. Okay. D 16 are are pretty incredible people, and I don't even know all of them that well. But news of them reached me before camp ever started. You know, I had an opportunity for ten minutes to talk to them during first session. And my exact words to them during first session was, news of who you are has reached my ears. I have learned that y'all are a prayerful person. Group of people, and that y'all are truly interested in what's going on right here, and that you're truly interested not just in the kids that will be coming to this place over the course of the summer, but you're truly interested in each other's lives, you're holding each other accountable. It was special for me to hear that before camp ever started, and as I sat at the dinner table tonight. That's why this is kind of coming to me late. Had a conversation with the director of Camp Blue Haven, who is overwhelmed at these 16 young individuals. They've made a decision that I'm going to challenge you with this evening. They've made a decision to partner with Paul. In the gospel. And it's amazing what that looks like when it manifests itself itself out as God intends for it to do. Now before I had everybody kind of, man, we're pitching it, I like you, we're going to pass that along. But we only had one line connected, didn't we? And how easy it was to break fellowship down. Or how easy it might have been for someone in the middle of that string to say, I'm done hanging on. I want y'all to know This is what fellowship looks like Not just the strings tied to the tree But the young lives that are represented down here They have prayed for you since before you got here They will pray for you while you're here They will, will pray for you after you leave A description of fellowship. Paul says three things that I believe defines fellowship. I have you in my mind, he says, I think about you often. I have you in my heart, and I have you in my prayers. That's fellowship. Not enough to connect yourself to someone else. You need to connect yourself to the true line. John chapter 15. Tie yourself into what will not disappoint, what will not let you down, that understands your weaknesses, can sympathize with your struggles. None of these people can do that unless they're tied into Jesus Christ. Because you know what they're going to tell you when you come to them? Heartbroken? Let me introduce you to a guy who can fix it all. Jesus Christ, that's fellowship. We need to be better and not tying to a person and tying to a Messiah. Because the more we tie to Jesus Christ, the more opportunity we're going to have to point people to Him. But unless you know Him, unless you're a partner and have bought in to the gospel message of Jesus Christ, you never fully. I'm gonna ever get anybody to tie into him. Y'all can y'all sit down. Thank you so much for what you do for this place. You laid strings there too. The last thing I wanna tell you, I promise, is how committed are you to that partnership? This morning, we have what we have for breakfast this morning. Ham and eggs, right? Eggs and ham. I'm sorry, I got that wrong. Eggs and ham. I want y'all to know something that the chicken and the pig had to be just committed, just as committed to that breakfast as the cooks did. That's the kind of level of commitment that God desires from each of you. I'm bought in, even if it cost me my life. Or if it causes me some discomfort, I'm bought in. See, Paul is dealing with some strife right now. And he is excited to share with with the church in Philippi. Because they have been a blessing to him and he to them. Be a blessing to one another. But understand first the connectivity that you must have with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much that you've granted each of us the opportunity to be here, to be in this place, to see a picture of what fellowship really looks like. And dear Heavenly Father, I ask that you allow these young people to know that they can be effective at home. They just got to decide that they're all in. They have to decide that they're committed to a partnership a partnership and a union with you that can be transforming to the people that they're around. That could be contagious because of the love that they have for you so that they might have the attitude to live as Christ and to die as gain. Because Christ holds our heart and we desire to be reconciled with Him. Heavenly Father, as we study the book of Philippians over the next uh, two weeks, I ask that you help us to dig in and to see the family, to see the intimacy that uh, Paul clearly has for the church in Philippi and the love that they have for one another. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for the 16 counselors that have made a commitment to prayer this summer. And through that commitment to prayer, some crazy, amazing things are happening. And the coolest part about that is it's not by accident. It's very intentional. We thank you, God, for being faithful with your promises. We love you so much, and we ask that you help us to hold true to who you are. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Actually, I actually do want to say one more thing. I'm sorry, man, I just saw this. Uh, Todd McCrick came up to me at lunch and handed me this, and I also want to say that this is a depiction of fellowship. Dear Mr. Kello, I prayed for you today. I prayed that God's word will flow from you and into us. I'm sure you'll do good. Preston. Mr. Killow, I'll be praying for you to touch us all with your sermon and not be nervous doing it. Thank you, you, you two gentlemen, uh, for your prayers because they were felt.